Welcome to the Pastor's Cut Podcast. D- does anybody else, that last little part of the intro music, doesn't it remind you of The Office? A little bit, now that you say it. Just kind of a little bit, just oh, like yeah. a little piano at the end, <laughs> so thank you. A little, little tip there bling. to uh, little bling to The Office. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, this is for the weeks of November 26th and December 3rd, 2023. This is an odd advent, and normally we have... And this Advent's true. We have four Sundays that lead up before Christmas Day, but it just so happens that the last Sunday of Advent is Christmas Eve, okay? And so we're starting Advent a little bit early. Uh, Because of the calendar, just a fluke in the calendar, we're going to start talking Christmas story, Christmas accounts, November 26th, and so we'll have five Sundays that lead up to Christmas Day. Uh, Since we're beginning to talk about Christmas... Let's go around the table real quick. Dave is not here today. Marissa's here. Say hi, Marissa. Hello. What are you looking forward to for Christmas this year? Yeah. Is there a family tradition that you have that you enjoy? Um, we just see all of our family. Um, one of the great things and one of the terrible things about living close to your family is that you see all of them for every holiday. Oh. So um, so it's a really busy season, but it's good. I'm going to see my brother. I'm going to see um, uh, my cousins, my grandparents, and so it'll it'll be good. Was this the brother I met in Orlando? Yes. Okay. Yeah, Very yeah, good. yeah. So um, he'll be coming up for a couple days, but he works a lot. So. All right, fantastic. So <laughs> family. Brad, beat that answer. What do you, what do you got going I, for Christmas? I, I literally, other than playing Christmas music for a lot of people, yeah, I, right. I have <laughs> zero plans. Good for you. I mean, I, that's that's kind of a fun thing to do. I'm not... You know, poor pitiful me, but the the boys are both um, not able to come home for Christmas this year. So um, yeah, we'll we'll hang around and probably smoke a turkey and <laughs> uh, yeah, watch. As long as it keep watch, it to turkeys. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, it's 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 just being off and having some time to just unwind. It's cool. Marissa's making fun of you. I, we don't know how to smoke a turkey. How do you roll a turkey? Into a well, a, a blunt. It takes, <laughs> a, it, takes, it takes a big paper, a big paper, big paper. <laughs> uh, for us, you know, one of my favorite memories down through the years on Christmas Eve, we have Christmas Eve service, and then uh, my family, whoever's, we we walk down that aisle and light the yeah. Christ candle, and it's so fun. I, I should try to create a picture of every year because the first year we did that, uh, Kira was four and or almost four. Uh, Caleb was not even one year old yet. And so over time, our family has grown. Our kids have grown up. Um, there were some years when they were teenagers, they did not want to walk down and light the candle. They were like, <laughs> they were is, adorable. They were, they were like, this is humiliating. Dad. Um, now this will be our first year. Um, married kids are here. And so everyone, including, mm-hmm. um, you know, daughter-in-law and son-in-law, are going to walk down, so it's going to. Be, we're having a quite the gaggle walk down yeah, the aisle. Yeah. So that just you have to make you have room in the orchestra. It'll be great. <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen. When I have grandkids, forget the rest of them. I don't even care if Paula's with me. I'll just ta- I'll just take the grandkids. Uh-huh. They'll come down. Yeah, and like yeah. The three months old in a wagon. Talk me. Talk me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to jump in because we are now Advent. Let me say this again: it does not officially begin until December third, but. Uh, 
November 26th, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, we're going to go ahead and jump into the Christmas accounts. And I'm going a little old school. It's been a couple of years since we just looked at the people around Mm -hmm. the birth of Jesus. Um, What Marissa's going to do for a few minutes is talk about Mary uh, from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 56. And I'll let you read as much or as little of that as you want to. I'm just going to turn it over to you. And then after she talks for a few minutes, I'll come back and I'll talk about Joseph, which we'll handle the second week for December 3rd, uh, from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 2. So we're doing a two-for-one. That's because at the time we're recording this, next week is Thanksgiving, and we don't want to do the podcast on Thanksgiving week. We want to take a week off. Sorry, guys. Isn't that fair? (laughs) All right. So, uh, Marissa, I'm just going to turn it over to you, and uh, let's talk about Mary. She'll be the first person. And, And I've, as I set you up, as I talk about each one of these individuals or groups, I've, I've attached one characteristic to them that I'll be teaching from, mm-hmm. and for Mary, it's just being available for God to use. So, yes. Marissa, go. All right. So our scripture for Mary is Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 56. I think I'm going to read through 45. That sounds good. So, um, which I hate. I, every time we talk about Mary, we skip over the magnificent. Go read it. It's <laughs> beautiful. 46 through 56. It's really beautiful. Um, it's it's a wonderful poem, a wonderful song. But I won't skip over it in the message. Good, I, I, good. I, I, yeah, I'll keep not... to na- narrative today. There but, you go. Uh, there you go. All right. Well, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. And I'll go ahead and stop there at 38. All right. So, um, you know, we're told again and again in the scripture that if we want to find God, that we should not look in the temple or in uh, the centers of power and privilege, but we're supposed to, you know, look in the wilderness and look to the pool of Bethesda and, uh, you know, walk the dusty roads and camp on the outskirts of town. This is the margins that we talk about so much. Um, you know, if we want to find Jesus, if we want to find the heart of God, we follow the children. Um, we go to the fishermen who are desperate to feed their families. We sit at the well um, with the lonely woman because that's where God is. And Luke does this really wonderful job all throughout the gospel of highlighting God's lifting up of the lowly. And, um, and he does this by centering those marginalized people, um, and he does it from the very, very beginning. Um, with Zechariah and Elizabeth, you have two um, aging people who are barren, who are childless, um, who people would have looked at and said, what have they done against God to be in the state that they're in? And God is most closely walking next to them. And then we have uh, Mary um, and, uh, you know, there's this, there's this poor girl, newly betrothed, um, who is so ignored by society, 
and by the empire, but that's exactly where God's face is shining. Um, and this is really nothing new. This isn't a New Testament God versus Old Testament God. This is exactly, you know, you were just teaching from Exodus on Wednesday nights. This is exactly how the story of Moses begins too, that God is with the midwives, with the scared mothers, with the brave sisters. This is where God resides with the slaves, with the marginalized. And I always like to point out when it comes to the Pharaoh and the midwives in Exodus, we don't know Pharaoh's name, and that's why there's some... Pharaoh's name is not mentioned in right. Exodus, let me put it that, but the midwives are. Yeah, yeah. So we, we've... It's almost as though God's saying the Pharaoh's not really the important one here. Yes. It's these midwives. Yeah, and that's exactly what happens here, too. There's no generic personalities. Everybody has a name. Everyone is known. Um, so... Uh, and Mary doesn't just represent the margins, but she also represents something very new and full of promise. You know, there's nothing more hopeful than um, a young woman who's newly engaged and um, just all the joy and promise that represents and the limitless possibilities for the future, the reminding even those who, um, you know, have very hard lives that there's still so much to live and fight for. So God's looked upon her with favor. He's regarded her, and it's no small thing to be regarded by God. Um, she's not the only one to be told these words, but she is favored, especially when you're exceedingly aware that you shouldn't be favored, that you, you know, she knew what her station in life was, um, and she acknowledged and, and had come to terms with her position in life. So when the angel says, you know, um, uh, that she's favored by God, he says, hail, which is kind of this noble greeting. Um, it's, uh, not reserved only for kings, but it, it's, it's how people said hello and, 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 um, and greeted Jesus. Um, so it, she was troubled by this because it wasn't a word that was meant for her. So I'm sure there was an element of, um, of wondering at first, you know, knowing that the angel is sincere, but having this element of, is he making fun of me? Is he, is he degrading my station even further? Um, and he reassures her, no, this, that God's favor really is upon her, that she really is uh, favored by God. And we have this sense that Mary is kind of this naive girl that's kind of plucked by uh, plucked up from obscurity. Um, you know, I think about. I don't think um, a lot of our listeners will know about Waiting for Guffman, but um, <laughs> but but I think about. Um, there's a character that works at the Dairy Queen, and that's kind of plucked from the Dairy Queen to become stars of, of this. Uh, of this play in her hometown. So, you know, God didn't just go down to the Dairy Queen and pick a waitress to babysit his kid. This was, um, you know, it, just like you were saying, each person in this narrative has a name. I like the Dairy Queen. What's I love the Dairy Queen. No, no. The, one of the, my favorite lines from that movie is, there's always a place for you at the Dairy Queen. Oh, I love that. I love the Dairy Queen. Yeah, the Texas stop sign. Uh, but no one is anonymous and no one mm. is obscure. Everyone is known and important. Um, so God's plan was not arbitrary. Um, Mary was the woman honed and molded to be Theotokos, the God-bearer. Um, that's, a, a, you know, she and Joseph both were the human beings that God found to be the best possible earthly shepherds, guides, nurturers, educators of Christ himself. And we don't understand um, the mystery of Jesus as someone who was fully God and fully a human. At what point did you know, becoming and being overlap when he was a child. We can't understand that. Um, but uh, I do know that God didn't choose parents or a childhood that was a hurdle for Jesus's earthly ministry. 
His earthly life wasn't something to overcome, but this great gift that bolstered him and his love for God and his love for people and his love for justice. And I just want people to consider, um, just think about what values and experiences that were held closely by Mary that God valued so highly that he wanted those things instilled in his son. How closely aligned to the heart of God she must have been for him to entrust the heart and the soul and the mind and the body of our Savior to her and to Joseph. So, um, you know, this, uh, I could go on and on about Mary. I don't know how much time you want to give to her. You tell me. Um, But, you know, when she made herself available to God, her problems didn't disappear. My very favorite lines from this uh, narrative um, are when the angel says, the angel Gabriel says, for no word from God will ever fail. And then Mary responds, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Um, That promise that God won't leave her, but no promise as to how things are going to go. No promise that this was going to end happily. And I don't think that she, you know, she had a hard life and she had the history of the scriptures behind her, knowing that that being called and favored for God's purposes does not mean things are going to be easy. absolutely right. Um, And her problems didn't disappear. She's still impoverished. Um, She's still a woman. She's still oppressed by Rome. Um, and her problems are now compounded. <laughs> she's pregnant. She's an outcast and will potentially lose everything. She might lose her fiance. She might lose her, her family, her home, but she knows God will never fail and that everything Gabriel said to her would be fulfilled. She knows that God's presence is with her, that it's promised. And not only that it was with her, it was within her. And she felt that so intrinsically more literally than anyone ever before. And, and I think to your point, um, when you follow God, you're pretty much guaranteeing that your life is not going to be easy. Um, that's why Jesus in the eighth beatitude says, mm. blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. It's just part and parcel of, of what we face. So Mary was brave enough right. to know God, but then to step into the unknown. And the part that I didn't read out loud shows that she had agency in this, that she was an active participant, um, that she's not only a vessel, but um, you know gave her life over to God's plan um, she knew that this was going to be a revolutionary act, and um, and it was incredibly courageous uh, that that you know she was coming up against not only empire but all the darkness of the world, um, and she knew her risk, but she had such a yearning for God's heart for His justice, and she had the courage to fight for it. So as evangelicals, we're a little bit afraid of Mary, I think, um, because uh, because <laughs> she's been so overly venerated by the Catholic Church, by the Orthodox Church, and we're kind of afraid of whispering her name outside of Advent. (laughs) But our distrust of Mary causes us to miss out on these amazing lessons of her life that she can teach us. Um, She was, uh, you know, she's not the mother of God that intercedes for us, but she was the first disciple. Absolutely. Uh, She was, you know, the first to give her life in devotion to Jesus. She was the first to literally be filled with His Spirit, uh, the first to uh, hold Jesus close to her heart. In our language, we would say she was the first to invite Jesus into her life. Yeah. Literally, that's what she oh, did. Oh, completely, yeah. And so, so you're saying that Mary actually did, did know. Did know, yes. Yeah, for all those Mark Lowry fans out there, which <laughs> Mary, Mary Mary did, did, you did know? know. Did you know? It's a nice anthem, yes. but okay. yeah, her response would be like, yeah, yeah, I did. I, think I, I did, think actually. I yeah. Quit asking that question. <laughs> So, Marissa, I'm gonna I'm gonna left field a question for you because I think if I were teaching this in, in a class and the idea of being available to God, 
Mm. Name a woman in your life who is the closest to Mary you've seen or who just has that characteristic of being available to God. Mm. Because I think that if I'm a teacher, I would say, and this is what I often do with Scripture, um, I take these biblical characters and I assign a face to them from people that I know. Yeah. So they they become a little more three-dimensional. And I know that I separate those two individuals, but I picture a certain individual when I think of Job. I think of a man who lost his entire family, Mm -hmm. uh, who I knew years ago. And so... Um, that's who I think of. That's who I associate with Job. So yeah. I'm stalling to give you a little uh, time. Hey, I, pre- I really appreciate You're that. Welcome. It's because I have to whittle it down to only one. There you but... go. Well, who's, who's a woman in your life? Yeah. That you would say well, that... I always think of it. My grandma is like the matriarch of our family. And, you know, uh, growing up in a small East Texas town, and she got married when she was 15. And so she has, she has Mary vibes. And uh, how she did not know what her life was going to end up <laughs> like. And um, how hard it was, but God's presence stayed throughout that. And because of her faithfulness, you know, she has this huge family who's able to influence so many for for God. And and every single one of her, you know, kids and grandkids are believers and and doing kingdom work. And it's just um, just what a blessing that is. That life was hard, but but she was faithful. Now let's transition to Joseph and uh, Brad. I'm coming for you here in a minute. Who who puts off Joseph vibes? Okay, so you just kind of get your mind thinking over there, uh, mm-hmm. back there in the sound booth, and do that so he'll stay awake and pay attention to me while I'm talking. <laughs> what? So, uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> so with Mary, we've talked about her availability, uh, and not only was she available to God, uh, and she was also available to others at a moment when she should have said, "I boy, I need a circle of wagons. I need to." Are we allowed to say circle the wagons anymore? Is that politically hey, correct? Hey, well, I think if you say it without asking, if it's politically correct, it's fine. But, but if I have to ask. If you then, have to ask, and it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, she, she could have said, I need to draw the, the window shades. I hey, need there to, you go. I need, to, I need to watch out for me. But then she finds out Elizabeth needs help. So she goes and serves Elizabeth for mm. six months. I mean, talk about being available to God and others. For Joseph, um, I've, I've kind of tagged him with that idea of being attentive. He's attentive to God. Because poor guy, every time he goes to sleep, he has a dream, and they end up moving. You know, after a <laughs> while, I would just not go to sleep anymore. But let me read this in two parts. And and Joseph is uh, very attentive to God. Um, yeah, I was going to say a few more things. Let me just read this. I'm going to read two parts of uh, Matthew. This is Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25. Uh, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. Luke, where... Um, Marissa read from just a moment from Mary's standpoint. Now Matthew is from Joseph's standpoint, the same story. But before they became to, came together, they were betrothed, they were engaged. She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now Mary had received that word. Joseph had not directly from God, so he's hearing this from Mary. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Legally, Joseph could have Mary at the very least disgraced, at the very most, he could have her put to death. But he decides to deal with this quietly in order to protect her life. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because, and this is the Older Testament, Yeshua, Joshua, because that name means God saves. He will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophet, and this is from Isaiah 7. The virgin will conceive, give birth to a son, 
and he will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took Mary home to be his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth, and he gave them gave him the name Jesus. What's interesting in the gospel accounts is Joseph never says a word. Hmm. There's never a recorded word um, given by Joseph, not that he didn't speak, but his job in life is to be attentive, not to be outspoken. And so, uh, Brad, as you think about your person, think about somebody who, who their faithfulness was just, was just a quiet faithfulness. They weren't flashy. They weren't splashy. Mm-hmm. Joseph just had this quiet attentiveness to God. Now, the question is, how do we practice attentiveness toward God? And as a teacher, I would, I would spend some time on this. If we're looking to hear from God, how do we hear from God? God can speak through dreams. That's biblical. My guidance on dreams is whenever you have a dream and you think the Lord might be speaking to you, the message must be absolutely clear. Mm-hmm. In other words, you don't have to piece together this means this and this is an allegory for this. It's just the message is clear and it always corresponds to Scripture. Yes, yeah. God will never reveal Himself in a dream that's contrary to what He's revealed Himself in the Bible. But on a more daily basis, we become attuned to the voice of God by reading the Scripture. By seeing the way God interacts, God speaks to us through Scripture. He speaks to us in prayer, and it's important that we spend as much time listening as we do talking. And I have a time every morning, I just say, God, I'm listening. Anything you want to say, uh, now would be a good time. You can speak or not, but I want to be listening to you. We also hear God's voice in community. We have other people. And I would say, if you do have a dream and you feel like God is speaking to you, examine that with God in prayer, but then take it to some of your closest friends and mm. say, I had this dream. What, what do you think? <laughs> uh, not that you're always going to get uh, a unanimous sense in community, but to to bounce your ideas and thoughts off other believers. That's a good and way to tune in. Uh, to me, it's interesting that you know Mary would have had to ex- have explained this entire situation right. to Joseph before he had the dream. You know what I'm saying? So for it seems like maybe this was confirmation. That's right. Like, you know, Mary said this, and eh, I'm not sure. <laughs> Pretty sure she's making all this up. And then <laughs> here comes this dream, and oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Can, can you? Can That's you, a game changer. Can you, you know? imagine this conversation? I mean, how do you even oh start gosh. that conversation? Yeah. Joseph, guess what? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you're not going to believe this, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're not told, but you're right. Mary tells him there's this disbelief. I think all of us would be skeptical. Yeah. I think we put these these real beautiful figurine figures mm-hmm. on the mantle, mm-hmm. and this is a real life problem. Yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, I do mean problem. I mean, for for them as a couple, you know. Oh my gosh. Well, and and Mary and Joseph would be. Um, um, criticized for a lot of years. I mean, the, one of the pagan explanations was, you know, Mary was really impregnated by a Roman soldier, mm-hmm. and so she was a loose woman. That, that reputation would, right. would go on even after her life, you know, so there's some reputation. We, we said, well, that's no big deal. We know the truth. Yeah, but if you're Mary, that kind of hurts a little bit, yes, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. And to Joseph, you know, what Joseph, who did your wife sleep with, just to put it that bluntly, mm-hmm. and uh, what kind of man are you that you would let... You know, and you'd still marry such a woman. Yeah, yeah. I liked what Brad was saying. Um, it kind of corresponds to what uh, we talked about a couple weeks ago with Revelation, and and um, that the dream clarified. It didn't cloud things. It wasn't a mystery, but it, it the revelations of God bring clarity. That's right. Yeah. So uh, 
God speaks in a lot of different ways, but we we go to the scripture, we pray, we do community, we discern that together. Now let's let's read part two of this because in Matthew two we have another snippet of Joseph. Again, never says a word. Uh, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, take the child and his mother, and escape to Egypt. And we'll talk in a few weeks. Um, we're going to do a Wednesday night study on the Beatitudes. Jesus is pretty much retracing the steps of Israel, hmm. going into is going into exile in Egypt. Then he will pass through uh, the waters, uh, the Red Sea of baptism. He'll pass through the desert, the temptations in the wilderness. Then he'll go up to, him, to the mountain to receive or to give God's law. But this is an idea that Jesus is retracing the steps of Israel. Take, my, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Joseph got up, took the child during the night, left for Egypt. There they stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its facility, in its facility, <laughs> the facility there in uh, Bethlehem, <laughs> vicinity, who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was fulfilled through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. Uh, a voice heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Now the passage goes on that once um, Joseph and Mary and Jesus are in Egypt, then they're called back to Israel in a dream, and they're told to go not to the southern part of Israel, where they were from, but to return to Nazareth. And so that's where Jesus would be raised, and he would be called a Nazarene. I'm not reading that part because I'm I'm not doing a very god good job reading Hi, today. You're doing a real good job. Is it? It's just a tough day. You're right. I've had too much caffeine. My <laughs> eyes are not tracking together. Has anybody ever had that experience? Yes. Okay. Uh, flashbacks. Yeah, they're just not tracking well. You, you go back and read it for yourself. <laughs> so, um, again, Joseph never says a word. Uh, he's attentive to God, but here's the the part B of this. He also takes action. He's not just paying attention to God what God says he's going to do. And I think this is another key element in being attentive to God, and mm. that is obeying. Every time we obey what God tells us to do, we turn up the volume knob on his voice. Uh, every time we disobey, you know, God, you know, it's hard to say this, but sometimes God's not going to waste his breath on somebody who's not listening. Mm. Um, but, but certainly every time we just disregard his voice, ignore his voice, it's though we're ratcheting down that volume knob. Here... Uh, every time God speaks, Joseph obeys, and that obey, that obeying, that taking action, helps him to be more attentive to God. It's a, it's a cycle. Attentive action, action leads to attention, and so forth. Hmm. So, Brad, uh, since I'm rambling on, let me stop. Who, who in your life, um, just that quiet, that quiet obedience? Hey, it's simple. I'm going to listen to God. What He tells me to do, that's what I'm going to do. My friend Steve uh, Sizemore. Okay, why do you choose Steve? Um, because he's exactly what you just described. <laughs> Literally every mm -hmm. adjective you just put out there, I, that's Steve. He's quiet. Uh, he's thoughtful. He's very educated, but he's simple at the same time. Everything is kind of just two examples. Uh, when my wife was considering uh, some options in her life earlier, uh, this is before I even knew her, Steve pulled her aside and said, Mary Kay, flee from evil. 
and walked away. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is the same guy who also told his wife on her labor bed, uh, honey, just ignore pain. Mm. <laughs> Very helpful in that moment. I'm yeah. sure Joseph said that to Mary at some point. Yeah. <laughs> See, we still haven't learned. 2,000 years later. Yeah. yeah. Ignoring her pain is a lot All easier for the guy than the oh, woman yeah, I yeah, just, yeah. just brush it off. Just yeah. brush it off. So, so what you're Breathe. saying is just because somebody is a virtuous individual doesn't mean they're always perfect. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, I'm sure Joseph had his moments. He know? had his moments, yeah. yeah. I'm sure Mary had hers. Yeah. She's not, a, I mean, you know. She's yeah. human. Neither one of them are sinless. Yes. So um, I, I think, though, that Joseph's part in this was to listen and trust. There had to be such a great deal of trust in his life, not only to trust Mary, but to trust God, that this was an actual plan. Every step they took, it seemed like, was directed by God. Mm. You know, I mean, no, go here. No, do this. And it was it was pretty remarkable um, that they were, even as young people, in in tune to that. Mm-hmm. You know, because I I know what I was like at that age. Uh, I was not in tune to the voice of God, and it's just it's a it's a great part of the story where Joseph was just following leadership. There you go, and providing leadership at the same time. So, Brad, you set me up perfectly. Uh, <laughs> let, let me make two programming notes here as we wrap this up. One is um, because Advent's the schedule's a little bit different. Um, the last Sunday of Advent is going to be Christmas Eve. So that's December 24th. For those of you who aren't sure when Christmas Eve is, that's when it is. This and year. This year. Yeah. And, and we're going to continue to have our two Christmas Eve candlelight services, one at 3 and one at 5 o'clock. But since it's also a Sunday, what do we do that morning? We've just decided to do a 10 a.m. carols and communion service on Christmas Eve. We're going to sing. We're going to share some some stories. We're going to have communion together. We're going to read through the Bible and some of the scriptural accounts. Very simple service, low-key. Um, and then we're also going to have two Christmas Eve services at 3 and 5 o'clock. You choose what's best for your schedule. I would encourage you uh, to make Christmas about worship and before all the other things. Second... Um, I'm going to give a challenge to our church family come January, and this ties in with what Brad just shared about being attentive to the voice of God. We listen to so many other voices to stop and listen to the voice of Jesus. Hmm. And so we're going to be teaching through uh, January all the way to Easter, teaching through the message on the mount. I do this every couple of years. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is the core of Jesus' teaching. But for the month of January, I'm going to encourage our church family to read through Matthew 5, 6, and 7 every single day. Now, before that sounds impossible, I want you to consider that the average American spends 25 minutes a day on social media, at least. Okay, and that's probably a very conservative number. To read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 takes about 15 minutes. So when you say, I don't have time to do that, well, you've got time. It's just a matter of priorities. Let's really go into this next year saying... I need to hear from God. I want to listen to Him. And when we do that, we have to make some decisions about who we listen to, what we listen to, and the priorities we give to our time. Brad, thanks for setting that up. You just did it beautifully. <laughs> you know, and listening to God is not that, not that hard. Yeah. Let's just read the words of Jesus and be attentive and take action right. on those things. Yeah, and if I can, that perfectly sets up the, as Jesus was in His adult ministry, 
um, in Luke 11, verses 27 through 28, I think he's referring back to his parents. Um, when there is a woman in the crowd who called out, blessed is the womb that bore you. Um, you know, at this time, a woman was uh, valued highest when she was able to produce a son. And um, what greater honor for a woman to have a son like Jesus. But Jesus then says, uh, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So the reason why Mary was blessed, the reason why Joseph was blessed, was not because of who their son was, but because they heard the word of God and they obeyed it. Perfect. Let's go and do likewise. Mm. That's it. Marissa, we did it. Two, two and one. Hooray. We get to take next week off the podcast. <laughs> nice. All right. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do that. So I uh, hope y'all have, have a great... Have some smoked turkey. Yeah. <laughs> We're coming over. Let's go. Right. Come on. <laughs> what time? Uh, I'll, I'll text you that. Okay. okay. Off air. You. Off air. Well, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. And may God grant you peace both now and forever. Amen. Amen. <laughs>